The Blue Castle by Lucy Maud Montgomery, read by Amy Zook from Grandma's Bookshelf. Chapter 13 Uncle Benjamin found he had reckoned without his host when he promised so airily to take Valancey to a doctor. Valancey would not go. Valancey laughed in his face. Why on earth would I go to Dr. Marsh? There's nothing the matter with my mind. Though you all think I've suddenly gone crazy. Well, I haven't. I've simply grown tired of living to please other people and have decided to please myself. It'll give you something to talk about besides my stealing the raspberry jam. So that's that. Doss, said Uncle Benjamin, solemnly and helplessly. You're not like yourself. Who am I like then? asked Valancey. Uncle Benjamin was rather posed. Your grandfather wants a bara, he said desperately. Thanks. Valancey looked pleased. That's a real compliment. I remember Grandfather Wansabara. He was one of the few human beings I have known, almost the only one. Now, it's no use to scold or entreat or command Uncle Benjamin, or exchange anguished glances with Mother and Cousin Stickles. I'm not going to any doctor, and if you bring any doctor here, I won't see him. So what are you going to do about that? What indeed? It was not seemly, or even possible, to haul Valancey doctorwards by physical force, and in no other way could it be done, seemingly. Her mother's tears and imploring entreaties unveiled not. Don't worry, mother, said Valancey lightly, but quite respectfully. It's not likely I'll do anything very terrible, but I mean to have a little fun. Fun? Mrs. Frederick uttered the word as if Valancey had said she was going to have a little tuberculosis. Olive, sent by her mother to see if she had any influence over Valancey, came away with flushed cheeks and angry eyes. She told her mother that nothing could be done with Valancey. After she, Olive, had talked to her just like a sister, tenderly and wisely, all Valancey had said, narrowing her funny eyes to mere slits, said, I don't show my gums when I laugh. More as if she were talking to herself than to me. Indeed, Mother, all the time I was talking to her, she gave me the impression of not really listening. And that wasn't all. When I finally decided that what I was saying had no influence over her, I begged her, with Cecil coming next week, not to say anything queer before him, at least. Mother, what do you think she said? I'm sure I can't imagine, groaned Aunt Wellington, prepared for anything. She said, I'd rather like to shock Cecil. His mouth is too red for a man's. Mother... I can never feel the same to Valancey again. Her mind is affected, Olive, said Aunt Wellington solemnly. You must not hold her responsible for what she says. When Aunt Wellington told Mrs. Frederick what Valancey had said to Olive, Mrs. Frederick wanted Valancey to apologize. Oh, you made me apologize to Olive 15 years ago for something I didn't do, said Valancey. That old apology will do for now. Another solemn family conclave was held. They were all there except Cousin Gladys, who had been suffering from tortures of an neurosist in her head ever since poor Dawes went queer. Uh, she couldn't undertake any responsibility. They decided that, that is, they accepted a fact that was thrust in their faces, that the wisest thing was to leave Valancey alone for a while. Give her her head, as Uncle Benjamin expressed it, Keep a careful eye on her, but let her pretty much alone. The term of watchful waiting had not been invented then, but 
That was practically the policy Valancey's distracted relatives decided to follow. We must be guided by developments, said Uncle Benjamin. It is, solemnly, easier to scramble eggs than to unscramble them. Of course, if she becomes violent... Uncle James consulted Dr. Ambrose Marsh. Dr. Ambrose Marsh approved their decision. He pointed out to irate Uncle James, who would have liked to lock Valancey up somewhere, out of hand, that Valancey had not, as yet, really done or said anything that could be constructed as proof of lunacy. And without proof, you cannot lock people up in this degenerate age. Nothing that Uncle James had reported seemed very alarming to Dr. Marsh, who put up his hand to conceal a smile several times. But then, he himself was not a sterling. And he knew very little about the old Valancey. Uncle James stalked out and drove back to Deerwood, thinking that Ambrose Marsh wasn't much of a doctor after all, and that Adeline Sterling might have done better for herself.